Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hi, I'm Shazzy Hunt and you're listening to You Beauty. Like all good things in 2022, today's discussion was inspired by something I saw on TikTok. I recently came across a bunch of before and after style videos where people were claiming their hair had grown thicker, faster and stronger simply by working a few drops of none other than castor oil into their head. Now, I knew I had to get to the bottom of this with an expert, so today I've called in the big guns. Allow me to introduce Professor Rodney Sinclair, who's a professor of dermatology at the University of Melbourne and director of Epworth Dermatology. One of his main areas of interest is hair loss, and he's a world-renowned expert in this field. Professor Sinclair, thank you for joining us today and sharing your knowledge on this subject. My pleasure. Glad to be with you. Now, normally on our Ask an Expert episodes, I'd wait until the end of the show to do some myth-busting, but we're doing it at the top today because I need to know if castor oil really is the hair loss cure-all that TikTok is telling me it is. No, (laughs) it's a really simple answer. Short and sweet. Hair fluctuates. Hair comes and goes and you shed different amounts of hair from day to day, week to week, month to month. There's a bit of seasonal variation and things like castor oil can reduce hair breakage. So if people are overworking their hair and they're getting it very knotty and producing breakage when they brush or comb it, then the castor oil might be helpful for that. But if you've actually got a hair loss problem and you're shedding your hair or going bald, castor oil is not the answer for you. Today, I do want to take a step back and talk about female hair loss and thinning. Approximately 49% of women will be affected by hair loss at some stage throughout their lives. That is so huge. It's like it's either you or your friend. So what life stage is it most likely to happen? Is it only as you get older or can it happen all throughout your life? The same process that we see in men happens in women. By the time men turn 50, about half of the men have already got a bald spot on their crown. But you do get some men in their teens and early 20s who've also got a bald spot. So the risk increases as the years go by. So everybody will eventually lose hair. Some people don't start losing hair until their 60s and 70s. A lot of women lose hair first around the time of menopause. Some women start losing hair in their 20s and 30s. And occasionally we see children losing hair even before they've had their first period, so even before puberty. So it can happen at any age, and it is largely mediated by hormones, but there are very strong genetic factors. So it does run in families for most people. Are there different types of female hair loss or hair thinning? So there's male pattern hair loss and female pattern hair loss. Now, some men go bald in a female pattern and some women go bald in a male pattern. So there's variations in the pattern. But the traditional female pattern hair loss doesn't really have much in the way of recession at the temples. They often get a little bit of recession of the anterior hairline and they just get diffuse thinning over the top of the head in the midline part. And so the midline part just gets wider and wider. Now, before women start to go bald, they'll often notice increased hair shedding. And the other telltale sign is that when they bunch their hair back in a ponytail, their ponytail is shrinking. And by the time you've got visible baldness, 
the ponytails often shrunk by half or even more. So that's a very early warning sign baldness is coming. But there are other forms of hair loss that women can get. So, you know, after COVID, for example, you might get lots and lots of hair shedding, which can just cause some general thinning, but doesn't lead to baldness. And then there's another type of hair loss that women get, which is caused by sunscreens, where they lose their eyebrows and their hairline just starts to march backwards and they lose their sideburns. And that's called frontal fibrosing alopecia. So there are different types of hair loss, but the most common one is the one where the ponytail shrinks, there's increased hair shedding, and just general widening of the midline part. What are the most likely causes? We did a lot of work on the genetics of this back at the end of the last century. That was work that came out of Melbourne University through the physiology department where they identified a number of genes that increase the risk of going bald at a young age. So as I mentioned, everyone will go bald eventually. And if you look at identical twins, they go bald at the same age, same rate, same patterns, indicating that it's a very strongly genetic trait. But the genes that were identified were the androgen receptor gene, the aromatase gene, and the estrogen receptor beta gene, indicating that the way in which you make and receive the signal from various hormones influences the age of onset and the severity of the hair loss. So it's a, it's a genetically inherited condition that's mediated by your hormones. Interesting. What about in our everyday lives? What are some of the things that could bring that on? I think stress is the one that people often think of because you say, oh, I'm losing my hair. I'm so stressed. Is that actually a thing that stress is impacting on your hormones to the point it's setting off a reaction of losing your hair? It's really interesting. I mean, despite what every bus driver, every policeman says, stress probably has very little to do with causing hair loss. Certainly, it's the other way around. Hair loss causes stress. I think it's very hard to find any clear studies that show a strong correlation between stress and hair loss. And part of the problem is it's very difficult to measure stress, to put a, a numerical mm. value on stress. Mm. And yet, it's something that everybody's very happy to accept. So if someone said, oh, you must have been stressed, that's caused your hair loss, most people just sort of nod and think about it and go away and accept it as an idea. And we saw the same thing with stomach ulcers in Australia. So every single peptic ulcer in Australia was caused by stress right up till the day they discovered the bacteria. And then once they found the real cause of the stomach ulcers, everyone stopped talking about stress. Is there anything you can do to prevent or slow down hair loss or hair thinning? Absolutely. And so this is something I've been working on for a long time. And in fact, there was a very nice article that came out in the New York Times newspaper three days ago. Mm, it was amazing. Talking about the research we've been doing with a tablet called Minoxidil. And we've treated well over 10,000 patients with this agent over the years. What we've found is that it's very well tolerated, very few side effects, very few people can't manage to take this medication, and it's almost universally effective. So it's not 100%, but it's probably well above 90%. And what it does is it seems to halt the progression of the hair loss, so it stops it getting worse, and it causes partial regrowth. Partial regrowth means that you're not going to get back to what you were like when you were 15 or 16, but it might take it back three or four years in terms of what your hair loss is like. And so there's a phase of hair loss that's reversible, there's a phase of hair loss that's irreversible, and if you catch it early while it's still reversible, you'll get a good response. If you let it go too long and it becomes irreversible, then your response is going to be diminished, but the minoxidil will still stop it getting even worse. How do you get access to it and is it expensive? It's not particularly expensive. I think uh, it was described in the, in the New York Times as an old-fashioned treatment that's available for a few pennies a day. 
It does require a prescription to get the tablets. You can get the lotion over the counter at the pharmacy without a prescription, but the tablets, which work a little bit better than the lotion or work quite a lot better than the lotion, do require a prescription. Now, there is a, an online service that we've been involved in to help people get access to this medication, a thing called the Hairy Pill. There's a program where you can have online consultations with a doctor who's experienced in hair loss and they can make recommendations for treatment. But it is also something that you can access directly from your, your GP or they may refer you on to a dermatologist if there's some uncertainty about the diagnosis or uncertainty about what the best way to treat the hair loss is. There are already so many products out there. You only need to hop onto Google and type in hair loss treatment products and you will be flooded with different kinds of products claiming different things. Is there a lot of snake oil out there when it comes to hair loss products? Really, until we had uh, minoxidil, the treatments for hair loss were pretty flimsy. Most of them at best had a, had a pretty mild effect. There was so much out there that was absolutely useless. And just like the castor oil, the problem you have with hair is that you do get fluctuations in, in hair growth, in intensity. And even look at it, a man who's going bald each year, they've got a little bit less hair. You might actually find a, a window of three to six months where the hair's improved. So it's not a, a straight line down. It sort of zigzags a little bit. And so sometimes people get these momentary fluctuations in their hair density, and that happens to coincide with the time they started putting castor oil on their head. Suddenly they're TikTok famous having found the cure for baldness. How do you try and decipher your way through these kind of products? Is there anything you should be looking for, any particular ingredients in them that may actually help you? The simplest and easiest way is to see your doctor because they're the ones who can filter through all the information. They can analyse the trials, see how they were conducted, make sure that they were done ethically, that the sample size was sufficient so that there was sufficient power in the study to get a result and that they've been interpreted appropriately in the results that people aren't overspruking the results and making claims that go beyond that. And then we have regulators in Australia that prohibit active pharmaceuticals to prescription-only medications or they might be medications that are only available in the pharmacy from a licensed pharmacist. So we actually have a, a whole framework around to protect us. So that's actually the safest way to go. But the other place where you can actually go is also your hairdresser. And they've often got some products that can also promote a little bit of hair growth. And so Kerastasi have a product called Donsafique that's actually got some of that prostaglandin in it designed for application on the scalp. And that can also reduce some hair shedding, promote some hair growth. If someone is in the throes of managing hair loss or hair thinning, is there anything they can be doing in their hair care routine? Two things are important. So one is if you've got dandruff, or an itchy scalp, or an inflamed scalp, or even psoriasis of your scalp, treat that. Make sure that your scalp is healthy. Washing your hair regularly is generally good. And so most men wash their hair every day or every second day. Most women, if they've got long hair, might only wash it once a week. But you do occasionally see people who are only washing their hair once a month or not at all. That does seem to promote a, a less healthy scalp, and that can also aggravate hair loss. Condition your hair if you've got long hair. Condition the ends of it so that there's less breakage when you brush or comb the hair. Make sure you don't overdo the hairdryer. And by that, I mean having it on full heat because you can actually cook the hair with the hairdryers at high heat. And again, you've got some very fancy modern hairdryers that are temperature regulated to make sure that you don't cook the hair because hair's a protein. And so sometimes 
with the straighteners and the hair dryers, you can cook your hair just like you cook a steak on the barbecue. That'll cause damage that won't repair and the hairs will become increasingly fragile and snap off as time goes by. And then if you are losing your hair, if you notice excessive hair shedding, if you notice your ponytail's getting thinner, or if you look in the mirror and you can see through the hair and you can see scalp, then that's the time to go and see your doctor who may be able to initiate treatment themselves or they might refer you on to a dermatologist for specialist care. Thank you for joining us today and helping us better understand the various hair loss treatment options that are out there. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. And thank you for tuning in today. I'm Sharon Hunt, but everyone around here just calls me Shazzy. Our show producer is Michaela Floriano. And if you love listening to You Beauty, please take a moment to leave us a review, preferably five stars, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye.